Good morning. My name is Joe. I have the great privilege of being on staff here at Pleasant Valley Church. Thank you for being here this morning. Boy, I look forward to the time where we just don't have to do this mask thing and do all these things so we can just really be physically close to one another too. And uh, so anyway, but until then, we're just going to continue to do what uh, we're asked to do and what we can do. Um, all things are possible through Christ. And so his mission still uh, moves forward uh, with great precision by his Holy Spirit, his timing, his ways. Uh, he overrules uh, on everything. I'm going to read a few passages, uh, a few verses out of Psalm 33 over you, and then I'm going to pray those things over you as well as we begin today. So um, let's just uh, go ahead and just bow your hearts, kind of just take that breath, um, allow God's word to wash over you. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might, it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Father, we this morning uh, yield ourselves to you as the one and the only true God. No one is even close to you in terms of greatness and power, wisdom and insight. You alone reign in every generation you're faithful. We praise you, God, that you're not a God that is persuaded by human beings' insight or even our plea. You have your plan and you're working your plan. And we are grateful, Father, for the incredible privilege of being called your children in Christ. 
Lord, I pray that you would use our time in the word this morning uh, to strengthen our faith. Father, to deepen our hope, to give to us your way forward. We praise you, God. We thank you for some time in your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 5, so if you have your copy of the Bible, uh, please do turn to Luke chapter 5 or find it on your device. Uh, we will have some, um, uh, some screenshots of the scriptures, but my uh, choice for you would be to open up your word or at least get it in that, uh, get it on your um, phone. Um, welcome those who are uh, joining us virtually this morning. We miss you. We wish you could be here with us. Um, I love you, Mary Beth, my wife, who's watching from home. Um, and I hope you're awake already. <laughs> I mean, you had a whole extra hour of sleep. My goodness, right? Yeah. Um, probably the... The most enjoyable gift that I ever gave in my 63 years of living was uh, to our son, Seth, in 1998. Uh, so at that point, Seth was 10 years old, and he, um, like his dad, loved Michael Jordan. Uh, came from Chicago. Um, that's home. All those Chicago teams are mine. I know it's hard sometimes. Uh, but not as hard as Vikings fans <laughs> is what I've come to learn. Um, and I don't know why I feel satisfied in my soul because of that, but I just do. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I bought tickets to see Michael Jordan play basketball live at the Target Center. And it was on December 31st of 1998. And the, the Bulls had already won five championships, and they, they were on a 17-game winning streak when they came to the Target Center. And Seth and I got to leave Winona, drive up there, park in that parking ramp, and our hearts are just like, we're walking into the, to that stadium. We find our seat. And the thing that was amazing to me was we were in enemy territory, the Target Center, where the timber pups play. <laughs> And the, the, there, there was a buzz in the room, um, and I didn't really, I'd never been uh, to see Michael Jordan live before in my life. And I, but, I, you know, he's just like bigger in life person, and, and his basketball skills are uh, unmatched. But I, this is what I was surprised at. Even in enemy territory, there was this buzz. And every person, I, and I looked around, every person is not looking at Kevin Garnett and Stephen Marbury. Every person is looking at the tunnel where the Chicago Bulls would walk out onto that floor. Everyone. And you could feel just the palpable heart. In the, have you ever been in a place like that? Where you just feel the energy in a place? And, and you're just like, oh my goodness. And you feel kind of silly because, you know, man, this is, settle down, adult Joe, you know. But like, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is really exciting. And sure enough, not as soon as Scottie Pippen and uh, the rest of the Bulls came out, but as soon as Michael Jordan's body hit the light, the entire room erupted in cheers 
for an enemy. <laughs> um, and then you watch the ball game, and w- whether he's on defense or offense, the majority of the people in that auditorium are watching Michael Jordan. Mike, when Michael Jordan is in the house, it's about Michael Jordan. Today in this passage, this morning in this passage, we're going to talk about when Jesus is in the house. And as my firefighter friend um, who calls me his favorite rabbi, I tell him, we're not Jewish, Steve Baumgart. We're not Jewish in this church. (laughs) But I'm his favorite rabbi. As, as he says, well, like you always say, Pastor Joe, when Jesus is in the house, all bets are off. Oh, that's kind of a Chicago thing. Um, but when Jesus Christ is in the house, all bets are off. He is not stymied by anything. He is not persuaded by anybody. He is not intimidated by anything. And so we get to look at this passage in Luke chapter 5 when Jesus was in the house. Now, I want you to think about the context a little bit. We had in the first few verses of Luke chapter 5 when Jesus asked if he could sit in Peter's boat and teach this group of people. The teaching was over. Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, go fishing. And Peter's like, I'm exhausted. I've been fishing all night. There ain't no fish out there, but I'll do it at your words. He goes out, there's this great catch. After the great catch, Peter brings the boat back in. Peter comes and he falls at the knees of Jesus Christ and says, get away from me for I am a sinful man. And it's at that point where Jesus says, I can work with that. Follow me. It's interesting, isn't it? It's not when we get all pumped up spiritually that we think we have something to bring to the party. It's when we are in our absolute best, in our humility, in the reality of we are so finite. We cannot do it. We try, but we can't at every turn. And so we we have that that story. Then last week, Pastor Chad talked about um, Jesus coming up to this, this person that nobody else would come up to who had leprosy, touched him, How would you like this if Jesus came and knocked on your door and says, hey, I want you to follow follow me. You'd be like, absolutely, here we go. And then let's just say the next thing he does is he goes to Louisiana to death row, to the national penitentiary of death row, and says, okay, here's where we're going to start our ministry. (laughs) Right? Oh, I can't wait to go in there and talk to those dudes. No, I mean, you're like, We are not going to come out of there alive. I don't care if you are Jesus, right? If we touch this man, we're done. Who are you, Jesus? That's a great question. And so in verse 15, we're we're not to our, our text yet. In verse 15, it says that large crowds from abroad, that's the word, from all over the place were coming to hear him and to see him heal all over the place. And then verse 16, before our text, verse 16 says that oftentimes he went to a quiet place alone to pray. And then we pick up our text, verse 17, Luke chapter 5. On one of those days, 
Have you ever had one of those days? <laughs> is just about every, one of the, every day one of those days sometimes? Well, it's just on one of those days. So our writer, Luke, is like, this happens so often. <laughs> and on one of those days, this is what happened. This happens so often, but on one of those days, as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. <laughs> they had to get there early because the house was going to be full. And I'm sure even these religious scholars, these experts in the Old Testament law, I am sure because of the buzz that was going on about Jesus Christ, I think their hearts were like, when is he going to get here? When is it? Oh my goodness, this is, this is going to be in. Have you heard what he's done? It's amazing. Even the waves and the wind obey him. He can cleanse a leper by the word of his mouth. He can tell an expert fisherman what to do, and he catches more fish than he's ever caught before. And that's just a few of the stories. So they're in the house. These Pharisees had come from Judea, the text says, from Jerusalem, 70 miles away. The farthest place um, that they could have come is about 95 miles. If they were on the south part of Israel, coming up then to the Capernaum area, about 95 miles. People were coming from everywhere to see him. Uh, Seth and I drove two hours and 25 minutes and then turned around and drove back after the ball game. Because we couldn't wait. And so, the, so, so the, you can feel the heartbeat in this room. It's like, oh my goodness, we're here. So it says that the teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee. So that's the local area and Judea, that's a large area, and from Jerusalem, 70 miles away, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. This is what they were thinking, right? Michael Jordan's in the house. We're going to see some hoops tonight by someone that no one can stop if he wants to. By halftime, he had 17 points. And then he got a prank phone call at the Target Center that his mom was sick and in the hospital. He didn't come out for three minutes, not that I know. He didn't come out for three minutes and 14 seconds until the third quarter. Do you know that room was quiet? The ball game's going on. He came out, he got put back in the game um, with three minutes and 14 seconds expired in the third quarter and the place went boom in enemy territory. And so Jesus is in this, and he had the power to heal. And this is what they came for. They came to hear and to watch healing. This is going to be so exciting, man. Right? Wouldn't you go? Wouldn't you? You'd get a ticket. 
I want to go see Jesus do his thing. Right? No one has had more impact on humanity than Jesus Christ. No one. You ask atheists, they'll say historically, absolutely. No one has had a greater impact on humanity than the person of Jesus Christ. No one argues that. He's pivotal. Might not believe his claims about himself. We we might not like him, but no one denies. These... um, People were were not Jesus' fans in this verse 17. They were enemies. They came to take him out. They came to find him in in something that he was doing wrong. They were looking for him to stumble and fall. But the power of the Lord was um, with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed... This is weird. So people were bringing on a mat, a man who was paralyzed. But they got there late. The place was packed. There wasn't a parking place, and there was not a space to get in. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. This is the place to be, by the way no matter who you are, no matter what day it is, you want to bring yourself and say, here I am, Lord. I'm yours. And these men, these friends, could not wait to help this person who probably had been paralyzed his entire life. Couldn't wait to bring their friend to Jesus. But finding no way, to, verse 19, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. So these first few things, when Jesus is in the house, something is going to happen. Would you agree? It's not going to be the same than when he was in the room, when he came in. It's going to be different at the end of that time, right? Something is going to happen. Agree? Because the power was on him to heal. He had all authority over heaven and earth. And he had distinct power for this particular day to bring healing. It's palpable. Oh, my goodness. What's going on? What's going on? Oh, what? Paralyzed man on a mat right before him. And and the the stuff hasn't even happened yet. But you you can feel the energy in the room. Verse 20 says, And when he saw their faith, I want you to underline, highlight. You can do that on your phone too. Just take out your pen and scratch out that part underneath that. Highlight this. He saw their faith. 
Now, everyone else was coming to see Jesus. What was Jesus coming to see? Who would believe? Who would trust him? Who would stop relying on themselves and begin relying on him? When was the last time you recall in your experience where your heart was just so excited to bring to Jesus your stuff or your friend who finally, after so many years, is open to hear the gospel, right? And your heart's like, oh my goodness. I cannot believe that I get to be participating with you, Father, in helping this human being. Your heart is just like, oh my goodness, right? There's nothing like that on, uh, for a human in this, in this world. I'm going to see you do something in this person's life. God, I just know that you want to. And I know that when they're in the house with you, everything's going to change. I just know it. My heart is pounding. When was the last time that that happened? Let me ask you another question. When was the last time that Jesus saw your faith in action? This is what he's looking for. When was the last time that your faith was visible? This, this, this challenges Joe McConkie, pastor or not. At 34 years as a pastor, 44 years walking with Jesus, this challenges me just as much today. It says Jesus saw their faith. So when Jesus is in the house, some will believe. Some will. Can't help it, right? It's like, oh my goodness. Look what's happening. Verse 21, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to question. He's not that good. My, I mean, Michael Jordan's okay, but man, Kevin Garnett, he's going to take him out. It didn't happen. I'm, I can testify. <laughs> it was the other way around. Kevin Garnett was in awe <laughs> of this basketball player. They began to question, saying, who is this? Great question, right? But listen, look at the rest of the question. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Because he said when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks these blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They answer their question, don't they, in their question? If you take the first three verses of their question, who is this, and the last two verse, uh, words of the second question, God alone, they answer the question, who is this? It's God alone. 
Who is this who speaks blasphemies, claiming to be God? That's what that means. Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus, look at this. Jesus not only saw the faith of these men, it says that Jesus perceived their hearts. Do you know that Jesus can see your heart? Does he know that he can understand and and knows your thoughts even more than you know your thoughts? He has this ability. That's why when Jesus is in the room, there's like, here I am, Lord. I want to be a faithful human being. I want to trust you. Even if you say crazy things like your sins are forgiven, that I don't understand. How how can you do that? I'm going to believe it. I don't understand why you would forgive me. I don't understand why you'd forgive them. I don't understand why you would forgive us. But if you say it, I'm going to believe it. And so for some of you this morning, including these men that were these experts in the law, Jesus was hoping and praying for their souls that they would put their faith in God, that they would leave these crazy, um, wrong conclusions about who he was and would submit themselves to him. Some will, count, uh, will cancel Jesus. That's, that's, a, that's more of a modern word, but we understand it. Some will just say, uh-uh. Even before you say something, uh-uh. You're religious. You're looking for power, whatever it is. You're not like us. So some will believe, but some will cancel every time. It's happening in this room as we're gathered in the name of Jesus Christ and, and, and we're all here. Um, whether our hearts are palpable or not, Jesus Christ is in our presence. And he's looking for faith. He also is, can see faith and he can perceive thoughts and hearts. Where are you at? Does your heart continue to say, yes, Jesus? Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Whatever you say, Jesus, I belong to you. Yes. Or does it question, does your heart question inside of yourself, is he really who he says he is? Some will, con- will cancel him. Religious blind spots are so typical. And be careful here. Um, you have religious blind spots. You just do. Your conclusions are fallible. As much as you line up with with a good study of Scripture and you you challenge that by um, studying it with some other people and and digging in and, and wrestling through it, you're fallible. You're going to get some things wrong. So we all have 
religious blind spots. <laughs> it's voting season. Do you agree? Amen. We all have them. You have them. I have them. Everybody but Jesus has them. Even, even people that have walked with Jesus for many decades and studied his word intently and, and, and you know, exercised great perseverance. And um, man, I, I still got stuff to learn constantly. You're like, oh man, really? You? Oh, if you only knew. That, that's why it's good that Mary Beth's not here. <laughs> right? She, she'd straighten us all up real quick. We have these blind spots. And religion, by the way, has incredible power, doesn't it? So if, if I, I'm, I'm apt to have religious blind spots and religion is really powerful, then I possess the ability to really misuse what I would call God's word in a way that is harmful to another human being. That is possible. It's voting season. Do you agree? It's possible for you to misuse God's word, to have blind spots. Hey, let's, let's not get all dressed up and, and play fakeianity. We need Jesus and his Holy Spirit and his word every moment of every day to get us back on track, right? I need his spirit to lead me into all truth because I don't have it figured out. And it's Jesus says, it's okay. All I'm looking for is your faith. I'm not looking for your expertness. I'm looking for your faith in me. I'm looking for you to be humble before me. Verse 23 says, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, Jesus says to these experts. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. Verse 26, and amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. So, so the point is, Jesus will reign. Je when Jesus is in the house, some will believe, some will cancel him, right? But Jesus will always reign. Always. Every situation, every moment of every day, Christ is on the throne in control. He, you can't vote him in. And you can't vote him out. As a matter of fact, you can't elect him. He elects you. Put that on, right? Aren't you, aren't you grateful that it's that way? Oh, my goodness. I almost got fired up there. Jesus will reign. Who is this but God alone? Who is this but God alone? I want to talk uh, for application's sake about four words, and then we'll have communion together. The first word is the word authority. 
Jesus was given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus has never appeared on a ballot. He is not electable. He elects. He is a president of presidents. He is the, has all dominion over every dictator. He's the prime minister of prime ministers. He is a king of kings and the Lord of all, all of the time. We can survive any human presidency. We can um, surprise any dictatorship. We, we, we can make it. We can survive that. We cannot survive the next moment, though. You hear me? Do you hear me? We cannot survive the next moment, though, without Jesus Christ. He holds all things together. By his words, all things came into creation. He sustains everything by the word of his power, and he holds all things together. All things, all of the time. My heart beats for him. And my heart aches for us when we don't trust him. Authority. I want to look at the word forgive just for a moment. Most people with authority take, but Jesus uses his authority to give and to give and to give more. This is why we praise him. He is not a taker. He is not a control freak. He is gracious to you. He's patient with you. He loves you. He constantly is waiting on the front porch for you. Will my child just come back? No matter where he's been, what she's been doing, he's for you. He gives and he gives and he gives again. Forgiveness is a centerpiece of God's way and will to heal humanity. That's why it's so significant that we understand he has all power. And in this moment, instead of just healing this person, he said, here's the big deal. I forgive your sins. Sin. Sin has authority over a human soul, according to Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. Sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is for you, to rule you, but you must master it. Did you know this about sin? Sin is there, knocking on your door. It wants you. Its desire is for you, to control you, to rule over you. Genesis 4, 7 but Cain, you must master it. This is right after Cain killed his brother Abel. You must master it. It's otherwise, going to take you, it's going to take over. Will you bow before me right now, Cain, and, and confess your sin? Because it, it wants to take over. We know what happened. It took over Cain's life. Cain chose not to trust God's forgiveness. Study history through the through the the lineage of Cain, it's frightening. 
Because sin, you see, has a progression to it. Would you, do, do you understand that? It's, it's in Genesis, or it's in, in James chapter one, that first, because of our evil desires, sin is able to find a little foothold. And then once sin has been committed, it gets a foothold. And then in time, it ends up reaping death. So sin, by its very nature, decays a human soul, and God does not want any human soul to be decayed. Oh, we could talk a lot about that. Extraordinary. Jesus is able to heal a paralyzed man and forgive sin. If you are a follower of Jesus who, um, who, has, been, who has been given his Holy Spirit and empowers you, he empowers you for gospel living. The people that, I, that God wants us to identify with in this story are these four friends that brought this friend to Jesus. He saw their faith. The most important thing for these men were Jesus and their friends knowing Jesus. It is not about who's going to vote on, thir- on, on, what day is it? Tuesday. It doesn't matter. At the end, the big scheme of things, it doesn't matter. What we want is we want the world to know Jesus Christ, not fill in the blank anybody else. And so Jesus comes and he moves into your life so that you can be a source of reconciliation. You've been given the message of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. He has declared you by your faith in him. He's declared you as righteous and justified in his eyes. You have everything you need. You don't have anything to worry about. Even if famine comes, even if fill in the name of the president you don't want comes, it does not matter. He just wants you to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation, helping people find God and helping one another get along better. That's really the the job description of the local church. How are you doing at that? How are you doing at that? The very last verse, they were amazed. This amazement seized everybody. Please don't just be amazed and, and glorify God and be filled with awe about him. That's cheap. Don't just say we have seen extraordinary things today. Please, live a life of faith. Live out loud with your faith in Jesus Christ. Make it seen. Take steps of faith that are seen by God, not for the benefit of your soul or ego, but for Jesus. He's calling you to trust him in some ways. It might be about your own personal sanctification, your own personal growth. You know you have become lethargic spiritually. You become apathetic. Maybe a sin has lodged itself and it's locking you down. And so apply the faith right now this morning to, to him. Say, God, I, I need you to forgive me for this sin. I need you to empower me to live a life that's pleasing and honoring to you. A faith that Jesus sees and it ignites the authority of God to do extraordinary things. That's what's in it for you. The extraordinary things came because Jesus saw this faith, faith of these men and it ignited the authority of God. Does anybody else want, to, want that? Do you want to see the authority of God ignited in our community, in your family, in your life? Trust him. Faith is powerful. Daniel, if you and your team would come on up, we're going to get ready for communion.
Jesus is the bread of life. We, we can um, live without everything else, but we cannot live without Jesus Christ. He's the bread of life. <laughs> Come what may. Right? And we have some fears about Tuesday and beyond, right? I mean, let's be honest, right? What's it going to be like? Well, the, the important things are going to always be the same. Jesus is the bread of life. You and everybody else absolutely needs him. We need to belong to him. Do you belong to him? You need to put your faith in him this morning. You need to say, you know what, Lord, I'm tired of just coming because my friend or my spouse wants me to come. I actually want to become the real deal this morning. I want to belong to you, Jesus. I don't want to just question and question and question in my mind about you. I, I'm going to give my life to you this morning, Lord. You can do that right where you're sitting. You don't, it's not a big deal. It's you and God and saying yes to Jesus Christ. You can do that. He made you. He alone is creator. He sustains you. He holds everything together by the, word, by the power of his word. Everything. He bought you back from slavery to sin by his blood. You're cleansed, you're past, you're present, and you're future. Say, what? All that is forgiven in Christ? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. It's not what Joe says. It's not what your Sunday school teacher taught you. It's what God's Word says. Your sins in Jesus Christ are taken away. You see, we, we serve a God who's chosen to use His authority for the good of mankind to take away the power and the decaying, and the, the decaying power of, of sin, the deception of sin. And he says, I want you to have a free relationship, a free life with me. His body and his blood is for you. He did not go on that cross to die for himself. It's for you. He knows your name. And when he was on that crossed, cross, he knew your name. He died for you. He rose for you. As we take together this bread and this cup, you might want to just locate that. If you don't, didn't grab one, just go out and grab one right on the way in. We're going to take communion here in, in, a, in a bit together. As we take together this bread and this cup as a representation of Jesus' body and his blood, proclaim your faith in him. Proclaim your reliance upon him and his death, his blood. Be grateful in your hearts. Be hopeful in your thoughts. Let him fill your life and be your absolute authority. When Jesus is in the house, nothing else matters but him. And so we're going to, um, in just a minute, these guys are going to start playing something, but here's what I want us to do. I'm going to pray, and then when you're ready, I want you to 
take apart that and don't ask me how to do it. I had to have somebody else help me before the service. Find a young person. They know everything. I want you to, when you're ready, take and eat that little piece of bread and then drink that from that cup. And when you're ready, you can stand and join these guys in worship, okay? But just take some time there, all right? Let him work on you. Some of you need to give your life to Christ this morning. And that, that's not just a flippant thing. That's a, an act of your will, choosing to stop trusting in yourself and begin trusting in Jesus Christ. Some of you need to repent of sin. You know sin has its lock on you. And this morning you're going to say, God, come and, and release me from that. So, Father, um, have your own way in us. We give you praise, Father, for sending Jesus Christ to die in our place. This was an act of your love and an act of your will for mankind, for each one of us in this room right now. You knew that we, there would be this day, November 1st of 2020 in Winona, Minnesota, and you died for this day and the people in this room and in this city, and you want them as your own. So, Father, I pray for that person that's thinking about yielding themselves, giving themselves to you. I pray, Father, that you would do that, that you would draw them to yourself, that this would be the day that would change their life, God. Begin a walk with you of faith. I do pray, Father, that you would give strength and grace to any of us in this room that are caught in some sin that just has it in, it, has it in its grip, that you would release that this morning. You would forgive that this morning. You would empower God. And so, Father, we take this bread and we take this cup because of who you are and because of what you've asked us to do and trust in you. In the name of Christ, amen.